job and he's just blossomed as a deliverer of God's word and I appreciate uh, all that he does and has done. Appreciate his family too. He and his wife Janice served at the North Alabama Christian Children's Home for about five years and did a great work there and that's not an easy work uh, but it's a very rewarding work and I appreciate uh, what they have done and so I'm excited that Chris and his family are here. And uh, Chris is going to be speaking to us. Uh, Our overall theme is building the church God's way. And tonight, an important topic of fellowship. And so I'm excited to hear what Chris has to say. Before Chris comes and speaks to us, let us uh, go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Good evening, everyone. I appreciate so much the invitation, the opportunity uh, to be with you tonight. I've always heard really, really good things about the Savannah congregation, and that's why I was worried when Barry was coming. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we were very sad when Barry and Miss Greta and their family left Florence, but I know that uh, he's been a blessing to you guys, and you have been a blessing to their family. I've actually attended EU uh, several years ago and uh, got acquainted with the church then. I guess you still host over at the school. Always a, a great uh, event. Appreciate so much uh, your work in that. I was excited when I got the email with the topic uh, that Barry sent me, and I really, really love the theme that you have chosen for this year, building the church God's way, because it seems as if the church, I guess in the last decade or two, uh, the church has been shifting just a bit. Uh, The church has been shifting into a direction that looks less and less like the church that we read of and we see in Scripture. Now, I'm not pointing my finger or trying to call out any one uh, congregation, but it just seems like the emphasis of the church has been changing. The priority of the church has been changing. And people's idea of the church has been changing. And so it's really good that we talk about the church the way God intended for it to be. Uh, Things have changed. Fellowship, for instance, has really changed in the church. I I talked to older members who were alive 20, 30, 40 years ago and just uh, they, they relished in the glory days of the church when you just you could pack a house and you, you didn't have to worry about you know the contribution. You didn't have to worry about if there were going to be pews open or not. But you know people wanted to come to church. They wanted to, to worship God's Word. Fellowship in the church has really changed in the last few years. Uh, for some Again, we're not pointing fingers, we're not calling out anyone's names, but for some they've been convinced to condense the fellowship of the church down to just a few hours a week. Uh, They have been convinced that fellowship with the church is sort of like punching a time clock. They're here on Sundays, Uh, they they get their their Sunday morning in and then then they don't come back until next Sunday. Or or maybe, you know, three hours on Sunday, an hour on Wednesday. It's become kind of a a ritualistic uh, thing for some people and, and that's not really fellowship. Now I understand, 
Busy schedules. I understand running back and forth. My wife and I both work. Uh, we have seven children. Five are at home. Uh, they are involved in school. So we understand busy schedules. We understand uh, running to and forth. And we understand being split up. One parent going one direction and another parent going another direction. We, we understand what it means to be busy and worn out just from running. But when we think about and when we read about fellowship in the New Testament church, we see something different than what we see today. In other words, I don't think that we would hear things like, oh, it's Sunday again? I gotta go to church? I mean, wasn't we just there last week? You know, I don't think you would have heard anyone in the New Testament church, the New Century church, say, you know what, I know it's for the church to, to gather, but I'm just too busy today. I don't think you would have heard anyone if they would have met on Wednesday nights. We understand that's kind of a a relatively new concept in the church. But if they would have met more than once a week or twice a week as the church, you wouldn't hear someone say, I'm just too tired tonight. I don't want to go. Because the priority of the church has changed. Um, again, not pointing fingers, not, not saying this congregation, but the church in general. Things have changed. And I think they have changed because in the new century, they did not go to church out of a sense of obligation or compulsion. I've got to go. I think it was a more of a, I need to go. I want to go because of what happens during the fellowship of the church. You see, the church didn't simply meet because they had to. The church met because they wanted to. They met because of the spiritual, the physical, the therapeutic, and the encouraging benefits that the fellowship of the church provided. And as you already know, that fellowship didn't happen just on Sundays. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. I remember the first time I was introduced to the concept of I get to go to church instead of I have to go to church. I was a senior in high school and it was Sunday afternoon and we were sitting around the table. We just got through eating uh, our lunch and uh, it was getting on into the evening and we were getting ready to go to the church and I got a phone call from one of my friends. His name was Jamie. Jamie says, hey Chris, a bunch of us is going to get together and go down to the river. You want to go? I was like, man, I can't, Jamie. I got to go to church. And if my mama could have reached me, I'd have been slapped right in the face. Because as soon as I hung up that phone, she said, Son, you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. And I didn't understand it then, but I do understand it now. Uh, It's a privilege to be able to, to fellowship with the church. It is a privilege to be able to come together with people of like precious faith and worship our God. If you've ever done any foreign mission trips, you understand that some of those people, they walk miles and miles and miles to get to the fellowship of the church. And when they're there, they don't want to leave because of the happiness and the joy that it brings. Look there in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 38. Of course, this is after Peter has delivered the first gospel sermon to the church and, and they were cut to the heart and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children to all who are afar off 
as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together in all things they had in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one, in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This Greek word for fellowship, uh, we read it there in verse 42. Uh, It occurs something like 20 times in the Bible. Twelve times it occurs uh, in the context of what we're talking about here in verse 42, the sharing or the connection, the involvement of spiritual conversation with one another. Two times this word appears in the context of sharing in the communion of the Lord's Supper. Twice it is used speaking of the communion of the Holy Spirit being with us all, those members of the church. Once it's used in the context of sharing and sacrificial living. Once it's used in the context of of the communication of our faith. Once it's used in in the context of sharing in the contribution to the needs of the poor. Once it's used in the contents uh, in the context of sharing in the distribution of good works, including that of spreading the gospel message. And every time that word is used, it has the church in mind in this fellowship. And I think it's important for us to know these things and remember these things because it helps us better to understand Acts 2 and verse 44. Now, all who believed were together and they had all things in common. How could a church, 3,000 were added, how could a church, how could a group of people that large have all things in common? They were perfectly united as one, speaking the same things, joined together in the same mind, and they had the same judgments, which was Paul was begging to happen in the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I want you to, to speak the same things, be of the same mind, and be of the same judgment. They were unified as one body because of their fellowship. They were unified as one body because of the doctrine by which they lived their lives. Breaking of bread and in prayers, they they lived, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. They understood the importance of, of, of the Scriptures. They understood the importance of fellowship in those Scriptures. Being of like mind and, and of one heart. They understood what it meant to be one body. And they knew that their fellowship with one another was an essential part of a healthy, growing church. Isn't it true that the more time that you spend with people that you know and love, the better you get to know those people, and the more you love them, and the more you find you have in common with them? Do you find that to be true? I love going on mission trips. I love going on mission trips because, one, it's the bus ride, if you take a bus. 
Uh, it is on those bus rides when everybody's tired and you're just confined and you can't go anywhere. That's where you really get to know people because you have to think of something to talk about. Nobody likes that awkward silence and so somebody's going to, usually somebody's going to start talking. And that's when you really find out about one another and you find out how many things you have in common with somebody. And I really like it when I'm, I'm sitting by someone that I don't really, uh, I don't normally sit by or I don't normally have conversations with and I've learned so many wonderful, wise things from people that, that I would have not if it had not been for those confined spaces. Is it not true that the more time that you spend with people that you love and have in common with, the more you love them and the more you find you have in common with them? Can we see the idea of what was happening in the New Testament church? Daily they were with, with one another. Daily they were with one another. And of course, there's the persecution, isn't it? Could you imagine being a member of this first century church? Could you imagine having to bar the door for fear of someone coming in and killing everyone that's, that's in that building or at least taking them to prison for, for worshiping something foreign to, to what your ancestors have always worshipped? Could you imagine the suffering that must have been present in the church of that day? They needed that daily fellowship. They wanted that daily fellowship. Some continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. One of the ideas that come out of this is that the more time that they spent together, the greater love one showed for another and the greater love that this group showed to those outside of the fellowship. When people saw the love that the church had, they responded in one of two ways. Number one, the negative way. They, they, they accused the church of doing things that were immoral. Go back and study some history of the first century church and they were actually accused of people coming together and doing immoral things. That's, on, that's the only reason people can be that happy and, and hug and love one another. But number two response, which was the response of people who had hearts that were ready, made ready by God, is that they saw the love of that fellowship. They could see that love and they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to, to have whatever that, those people had in that church. They saw this fellowship that the church had and they said, man, I want some of that. And many others came to faith because of that fellowship. There was something different about that group of people if you'll remember, there had been several folks, uh, Gamaliel said, who had risen up and tried to, to form fashions and groups. And he said, all of them came to nothing. But this is a group that was growing at rapid paces. And I can only believe that part of that growth was due because of the fellowship that they shared one with another. I know God's hand was in it. I'm not uh, demeaning His power. But just imagine in the context of first century how close the church would have been. 
they understood that the growth of the church was closely related to this kind of fellowship. And they were something different. They were a different group because of the gladness and the simplicity of heart that they shared. They were happy to see one another. They were genuinely open and sincere with one another. They appreciated one another's friendship and love and support and encouragement that they brought one another. And it was with this gladness and singleness of heart that they were more than ready and willing to give praise and honor to God. I want you to think about simplicity of heart and I want you to think about sincerity and authenticity. Sometimes when we come to church, oh, brother, so it's good to see you. Oh, sisters and so-and-so, it's good to see you. Do, do, we really, <laughs> do we really mean that? I haven't seen you since Sunday night. It's so good to see you back on Wednesday. How much do we love our brethren and sisters in Christ? It's only been a couple of days, but it's, I didn't. I'm so glad that you're here. We'll get back to that in just in just a moment. Turn with me, if you would, to First John chapter one. Not only was the fellowship of the church vital for the healthy growth of the church, but it was also vital as far as living faithfully to God as an individual. In 1 John chapter 1, we're going to see this word fellowship appear several times. Uh, The Greek word translated for fellowship almost always means in the New Testament a partnership to the mutual benefit of those involved. I'll, I'll read that again. It's a partnership to the mutual benefit of those involved. Christian fellowship then is a mutual, beneficial relationship between Christians. In 1 John chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, John writes, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life." I love that John says, hey, we saw Jesus. We handled Jesus. John, John could say, I embraced Jesus. He gave me a hug. I, I felt Jesus' hand pat me on the back as, as we embraced one. And John says, we have seen, we have heard, we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father... And was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard and declared to you, that also you may have fellowship with us. Now, I don't want you to miss that part. John, the apostles, had fellowship with Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm sharing these things to you so you can share in the fellowship that we had with Him. Isn't that amazing? John is writing to us and telling us that we can, we can feel the embrace of Christ. Not in a physical sense, but definitely in a spiritual sense. We can be as close to Christ as the apostles were uh, in, in this time. Bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which is manifested in us, and you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that what? Your joy 
maybe full. This is the message which we have heard from Him declare to you that God is light and Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, then we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. Fellowship with God. When we think of the word fellowship... Fellowship is more than just a relationship. Uh, We need to understand that. Fellowship is more than just a relationship. And in the context of having, having fellowship with God, we need to understand it's more than just coming to church on Sunday or on Wednesday and saying, yeah, God knows me, I know God, and we say hi. That is not fellowship. That's a distant relationship. But a lot of us do that in the church, don't we? We never see one another. We never talk to one another unless we're gathered here. We come in, hey, good to see you, hi, and then that's it. That's not really fellowship. See, fellowship, as we said earlier, is a partnership. If any of you own a business and you're co-owners in that business with another individual, that's a partnership. You do not make decisions unless it's been predetermined that these are the decisions that you make, but you do not make decisions without consulting your partner. Your partner does not make decisions for that company without consulting you. My wife and I, we are partners. We've been married married 18 years. I do not make major decisions without consulting her. Most of the time. (laughs) She does not make major decisions without consulting me. Our kids, they're teenagers, and and they have tried to play one against the other, but guess what? We're partners. We talk. So Matthew can't come to me and say, Hey, Mom said blah, 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 blah. And You know what I say? No, she didn't. Oh, how do you know, Dad? I said, I've already talked to your mom. They didn't believe that at first, but they've kind of got the idea that we're partners in this. We, we commune. We, we... I read a book a couple of years ago called QBQ, uh, The Question Behind the Question. And throughout the book, he was talking about businesses that run themselves in the ground because of this one thing. They don't consider themselves a partnership. And this is what I'm talking about. Let's say you order something from... Let's say me and Barry are in business together. You order something from me and Barry. I'm in charge of taking the order. Barry's in charge of shipping the order. You call me and said, Hey, I ordered so-and-so from you about a week ago, and it was supposed to be here yesterday, and it's not here. And this is where businesses mess up. They say, Well, I guess our shipping department messed it up. He is not my shipping department. I and he are the shipping department because it's a business. Do you know rumors, gossip, backbiting, malice, envy, deceitfulness? You know those are the things that kill a church? Well, if our elders would just blah, 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 or if sister so-and-so would just blah, 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 or if brother so-and-so... No, you are a family of God. It only causes damage to the church when we start, and and this is the southern coming out of me, when we start running our mouth about other people in the church. It only causes trouble. 
Ironically, I got a phone call today at the office. There was a, a guy who lives in Texas was calling me about a, a member of the church that lives across the country. Hey, have you heard about so-and-so? We are the church. United as brethren through the blood of Jesus Christ. If one of us have a problem, guess what? We should all have a problem. Isn't that what the text says? Weep with those who weep. If we all rejoice in something, then, then we all... If, if one of us rejoices in something, that we all rejoice, rejoice with those who rejoice. I think the New Testament church had this in mind. My God and I... I meant to look that song up in the songbook. Y'all familiar with that song, My God and I Go in the Field Together? We walk and talk as good friends should and do. You ever thought about that verse where it says, we clasp our hands and our voices ring with laughter? If you're a partner with God, then you're holding on to God's hand. We clasp our hands and our voices ring with laughter. My God and I, we, we go on in unendingly. So just because we're quote-unquote members of the church, it does not mean that we're in fellowship with one another or in fellowship with God. John says that if you say you have fellowship with Him, but you're walking in the light, then you're a liar. Truth is not in you. See, fellowship is more than just a, an appearance in a pew. On any given day, fellowship is about a lifestyle. It's about a, a love. I think the, the brochure said an agape love, an overcompassing, I love you so much and I don't want anything to ever bad happen to you. I, I just want nothing but good for you. That's fellowship. But being partners with God, um, it makes us partners with one another through Christ. We, QBQ, we're on the same team. Do you think... Now, I know I'm in Tennessee, so forgive me. Please forgive me. You can't deny Nick Saban's success. I'm, I'm not, don't throw anything at me. Do you think he's been so successful because he just blamed the other coaches on bad things that happened to the team? Or do you think he's successful because he went to those other coaches and straightened things out? Do you think he's successful because I'm the head coach and I'm in charge and nobody else matters? Or do you think he's successful because he, he makes people accountable on his staff and on his team? Any coach, a high school coach, a, a basketball coach, do you, do you think they're successful because they're the, because they're the coach? Mm -mm. They're successful because they're on the same team. We are on the same team. And what happens when you're on the same team is when, when someone is hurting, we encourage. And when someone is, is lost, we help them find their way back. We support one another. We encourage one another. We uplift one another. We don't, we don't tear one another down. We, we don't tear our sister congregations down. We pray for them that they're not doing what they should do. 
We pray for those in the congregation. We don't talk about them behind their backs. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is you get down on your knees and you beg God to have mercy on them and maybe they can see the error of their ways. You remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about, about disfellowshipping, giving someone over to Satan for hopefully that they could see the error of their ways and feel repentance and come back? That, that, that is fellowship. Caring so much about someone's soul that you will go to great lengths for their repentance. Not, not sitting in the church building talking bad about sister so-and-so. Now, if you're sitting in the church building praying about sister so-and-so, I think that's okay. But what good does it do? We need God. We need one another. We need the church. We need this fellowship. Friends, that's why... Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 is so important. Probably some of you knew I was going there, didn't you? Hebrews 10.25, you know it's that passage that no one likes to hear, but it's so important for us to remember. Instead of forsaking the assembly together as some are in the habit of doing, the writer of Hebrews says, come together as much as you can. Well, why should we come together as much as we can? So we can stir up love and get works in one another and exhort one another so much so more as we see the day approaching. Do we believe that there's a judgment day coming? And I hope this is yes for you. Do we believe that there's going to come a day when the Lord will come back and claim His church. Do we believe that? Yes. Then the writer of Hebrews says, come together as much as you can and encourage one another until that day happens. Because life can be terrible. Life can really be difficult at times. We, we go through things we don't think that we can endure. Our faith is tested. Our patience is constantly on trial. We're treated unfairly. And people will be unkind. And that's only in the church. I'm just kidding. That's the world, right? Life is difficult. Things aren't always going to go the way that, that we, we wish or we want them to go. But we should never, ever feel alone. We should never, ever feel abandoned. We should never feel isolated because we have one another. We should never go through those dark days by ourselves. We should never face the devil alone because we are one another's spiritual bodyguards. Galatians 6.1 We're one another's spiritual bodyguards. We're here for one another. We're faithful warriors for one another. We have one another to hold on to and pick one another up and we join arm in arm and hand in hand. That is what we see happening in Acts chapter 2 in this New Testament church. Paul highlights this idea in Philippians chapter 2 when he says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, which there is, if there's any comfort of love, which there is, if any fellowship of the Spirit, there is, if any affection and mercy, there is, he says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Do we see that fellowship? That being knitted together as one complete body in Christ? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. We had a fine lady at Marseille lose her husband 
several years ago. And one thing that she said to me has stuck out in my mind for all of these years. She said, Chris, I just don't know what I would have done without my church family. You are significant. You are important. Someone may be depending on your support and you not even know it. When you're not here, people notice. When you're sick, people pray. When you have issues, people can see it on our faces. You know why? Because we're joined together in fellowship by the blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot go across the street to that school. You cannot go to the Kroger's down the road. You cannot go anywhere else on the face of this earth and receive what you get by fellowshipping with like precious believers in Jesus Christ. You can't do it. It is not available anywhere else. Now, not suggesting that we sell everything we have and everybody just move in together. <laughs> that could be good and bad. But I am saying, you know that old saying, oh, she, yeah, so and so. And usually we say this in a negative way, oh, she's there every time the door's open. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if, if, I, if Barry hadn't already warned me about that, I would be... <laughs> Uh, thank you, Lord. I don't even remember what I was saying. Not only is fellowship of the church important for our souls, I, I, w- I want to share one more thing. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. pretty odd that Paul is thanking God for the church at Corinth because they (laughs) were going through so many problems. Matter of fact, most commentators call 1 Corinthians at least the problem epistle because the church was really, really off a track. But he says in verse 4 something very important, I think, for us to remember. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. They were still doing some pretty good things. They had their issues, they had their problems, but Paul says, I thank God that you still have faith among your members that you are enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the what? Fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Even if, even if the church family fails you, that don't happen very often, even if the church family fails you, Christ never 
will. Because we've been given the opportunity to have fellowship with Him. And I don't know about you, but I appreciate that fellowship I have with my Savior because I can't do this life on my own. I'm a poor, pitiful sinner. And I can't do this on my own. You, you, you can't do this on your own. We need one another. We need this fellowship of Christ. It's beautiful to me to know that we can rely on the strength of Jesus any time and every time we need it. And it's because God who is faithful has called us into this fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in Himself. He who does not believe God has made Him a liar because He has not believed in the testimony that God has given us, His Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. 1 John 5, 10 through 13. You know what fellowship with Christ does for us? <laughs> Gives us a guarantee of eternal life. If you didn't already know it, and you needed proof that you can know, that you can know, that you can know that you have eternal life, it's right here. But it's through fellowship in Christ Jesus. Through His blood. Romans 6, we're united with Him through His death, His burial, His resurrection. Fellowship is more than just a relationship. Fellowship is a partnership. And I'm glad that you are partners in this life with me. I'm glad that I can come to Savannah, Tennessee and be loved and to be welcomed and to be accepted. I'm, I'm glad I can go to Ukraine. I, I go to Ukraine in January. I'm glad that I can go to Ukraine and find members of the church who are my partners in Christ Jesus who love me, who will protect me if they need to, who will accept me and will help me. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here to love one another, to support one another, to lift one another up, to honor one another, to encourage one another, to teach one another, and to lead one another to that blessed life eternal with God in heaven.